We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 this morning, so please turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We are in verse 9 this morning. Let's pray together. Father, as we approach your word this morning, we ask that we would be teachable. We set aside distractions. We pray that you would send your spirit to give us ears to hear, to hearts to understand, and that we would really grow in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I would say most of this calendar year, one of the things that I've been challenged in personally is prayer. My own personal prayer life uh, with the Lord. And what I'm sensing in my life, and in my family, in our church, in our, our community, is that there is a need that is bigger than what I can produce. There's a need that's bigger than what we can produce. When we think of what's taking place in our country nationally, uh, this week I had the opportunity to go to a pastor's conference in Washington, D.C., and it was encouraging for me and and challenging uh, for me as well. And appreciate Kent teaching last week and hope that you really enjoyed that. It was my first time in Washington, D.C. was able to walk on the National Mall, the Reflection Pond, and Abraham Lincoln's memorial. Some say there was a little bit of resemblance there. I, I don't, maybe it was the nose, I'm not sure. But uh, it caused me with this week to be 9-11 as well, just to think more about our country. And there is a deep spiritual need in our country. And for us to really, as God's people, be humbling ourselves, repenting of our own sin in our lives, and crying out for God to move in our land. There's a need that's taking place in our city, in Colorado Springs, a spiritual need where we want to be praying and crying out to the Lord to, to meet that spiritual need. And this morning in our Bible study, we see Paul's prayer for the church of Colossae. And prayer was very important to the Apostle Paul. It wasn't something that he did as a leftover, but he did as a priority. In his letters to the churches, he was emphasizing that I am praying for you. So I want to set the stage a little bit. Uh, why is prayer so important in our hearts and in our lives? Well, well, first, it's a glorious invitation. Isn't it a glorious invitation that we have into a glorious relationship where God is welcoming us into his throne room to spend time in his presence? where we're able to find grace and help in time of need. He says, come into my throne room and I'm ready to give you grace. I'm ready to give you mercy and help in time of need. But it seems that God doesn't pour out the grace and the mercy and the help until we come to him. So he's inviting us. You're invited to the throne room of God. I'm invited to the throne room of God where we get to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, and spend that time with the Lord. With prayer, the battle is won and lost in prayer. We see this with Joshua. His first battle, he's sent out by Moses. And Moses doesn't go in the battle with Joshua, but goes up to the mountain to pray. And as Moses' hands are lifted to the Lord's in in prayer, they won the victory. But as his hands got tired and began to, to be weary, they would lose the battle in prayer. And so here came Aaron and Hur, and they would lift up his arms They would support him in prayer. Hopefully Moses didn't have B.O. It was a vulnerable position for those guys to be in in the the underarm. But the battle is really won and lost in prayer. 
In the life of Jesus, we see that prayer was his passion. He only has 33 years on this planet. You would think he would spend it always doing work, always doing ministry, but he took so much time alone to be with the Father in prayer. Sometimes he would stay up all night and pray after a full day of ministry. Oftentimes he would get up before the sun was risen to spend time in prayer with the Father. And in that time of prayer was this fellowship and also getting the marching orders from the Father. There was times where a whole city was coming to him and saying, stay here and teach us. And Christ says, no, the Father's spoken to me. I need to move on to the next city. So hopefully as we study this together this morning that we're challenged in prayer and also encouraged in in prayer. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. What has Paul heard? He's heard a good report. He's heard of their love, of their faith, of their hope. And because of that good report, he decides that he is going to pray consistently for the church of Colossae. Sometimes we only pray for believers, individuals that aren't doing well. But we forget to pray for believers that are doing well. The church of Colossae is doing well. And Paul says, I don't cease to pray for you. And this is consistent prayer for the church of Colossae. From every indicator, it doesn't seem that Paul was ever in Colossae. He hadn't met these believers, but he was so passionate to pray for them. You can have spiritual impact upon people that you've never met before by taking the time to lift them up to the throne room in God in prayer. Samuel, the prophet in the Old Testament, he told the nation of Israel it would be sin for him to cease to pray for the nation of Israel. He saw being prayerless as being sinful. He says, as a leader in your life, it would be wrong for me to not be praying for you. It appears to me that Paul had a prayer list. For him to be consistent in this. He's like, these are people that I want to be praying for. And he's taking time out every day to seek the Lord in prayer. So what does he pray for the church of Colossae? And this is where I think this becomes practical for us because these prayers of Paul, we can make our own. We can pray these same truths into the lives of those that we love, into the lives of those that God puts upon our hearts. To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you do, write down understanding. Understanding, spiritual understanding. As I had this opportunity to go to this pastor's conference uh, Monday and Tuesday, I found that if I didn't take notes, I didn't remember. There's a good chance by this afternoon when we're watching football that you won't remember what we've talked about unless you write something down. So I want to release you to get out your phones because I know most of you don't have pen and paper, but you do have your phones. Get out your phones, text who you want to, but take notes, right? There's probably some app inside of your phone where you can take, take notes because I think this will be helpful to, to pray these things through. He first says, I want the church of Colossae to have greater spiritual understanding so that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. The idea of being filled is to completeness. 
They're, they're filled to the brim of the knowledge of his will. So as we're praying for people to say, God, would they know your will for their lives? Would they know your intent for their lives? And also that they would have wisdom and spiritual understanding. Six times in the book of Colossians, we see Paul referencing wisdom. The book are the, let's see, I think I messed that up somewhere. Six times in the book of Colossians, they say Colossians or Proverbs. Okay. In my mind, I said Proverbs. That's where I'm going next. Proverbs is an emphasis upon wisdom. And in Proverbs, we find that wisdom doesn't come unless there's the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is knowledge applied. So it's not just knowing the truth, but applying the truth to our lives. And how valuable is wisdom, isn't it? To be able to pray that God would give wisdom to believers, to those that we love, and praying over them that God would grant them wisdom. Paul understands that spiritual understanding does not simply come from teaching. As valuable as this is for us to be getting into God's word, reading it together, reading it individually and studying, and we really believe in that here at Rocky Mountain Calvary, that what closes the gap from hearing it, reading it and studying it and having it impact our hearts and our lives is prayer, is prayer. There may be a greater work that God wants to do in our church family that's gonna take place through prayer. There may be spiritual understanding that God wants to give to those that we love that's gonna take place through prayer. I bet some of the spiritual understanding that you have in your life is a result because someone has loved you enough to labor over you and pray for you. That's my mom in my life. She's a prayer warrior. As long as I've known her, she's been committed to prayer. And it's been steadfast throughout her whole entire life. I know that that has resulted in God's grace in my life and giving spiritual understanding in my life. So, so pray that over those that, that you love. The second thing that Paul prays, that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. He prays for understanding and he prays for obedience, that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. The word walk is lifestyle or conduct, that our conduct would be worthy of the Lord. Worthy is of equal weight, so that my conduct would be of equal weight of, of Jesus Christ. Why would we pray for obedience for believers is because obedience is so important in our relationship with the Lord. How many times did Jesus say and Jesus declare, follow me, I wanna be in charge. What does it mean for Jesus to be our Lord? It means that he's on the throne room of our lives, that we take our marching orders from Jesus so Paul prays this over the church of Colossae that they would walk in an obedience unto the Lord. And that's when God's blessings come into our lives. It's when we experience the reality of his truth in our lives. And so we pray that for one another, that God would allow us to walk in obedience. Being fruitful in every good work. This is the third thing that Paul prays for is fruit. We're created for good works in Christ Jesus to bear fruit for God's glory. What happens when a believer is fruitful? Well, God is glorified. People are reached, and that individual believer is encouraged. 
Isn't it encouraging in our lives when God uses us for his glory? Maybe it's a physical need that you're able to meet, you're able to give, give some time, give some money, give some some resources. Maybe sometimes you're able to provide comfort. Sometimes you're able to share, share the gospel, fruit coming from our lives. And so Paul prays for that. I think this is a, a big part of going deeper in our relationship with the Lord is when we see God begin to use our lives. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Fourth thing that Paul prays, by the way, what was number one? Understanding, there you go. Very good. Number two? Obedience, obedience. We don't get too excited about obedience, do we? And here, the fourth thing that he prays for is knowledge. Let's see if we can get that there. There we go. Knowledge. This word knowledge is epinosis. It's not just the academic knowledge, but it's the personal knowledge of the Lord that they would be growing in the knowledge of God. Everything flows out of this knowledge of God, to grow in the knowledge of the Lord, to have a deeper understanding of who he is. And this also comes through prayer. It's similar to understanding. Understanding was the understanding of wisdom, the understanding of his will, but this is the knowledge of who God is. And this takes place as we pray. This takes place as we seek the Lord. And this is where I'm being challenged and I hope that you're being encouraged, is would you really pray this for our church? That as we do study God's word together in many different fashions, in small groups, and men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry, on our own individually, as we walk through life and as we journey through life, that God would allow us to increase in the knowledge of God, to increase in that intimate and that personal knowledge of who Jesus is. One of the things that I've been praying over the staff for this calendar year is that they would understand Jesus, that we would understand Jesus in a greater way. I'm believing that God has deeper knowledge of himself that he wants to give to our staff. Because as our staff experiences Jesus in a greater way, guess what? I think we're going to be more effective as servant leaders in our church and, and in our community. And this is where I hope we get pushed a little bit. I hope we get pushed a little bit out of our rut this morning. And I hope we get a little bit hungry for the things of God. What if there was something that God wanted to grant to your spouse with a deeper knowledge of who Jesus is this year that's going to come through your prayer for your spouse? Are you praying for your spouse? And if not, why in the world would you not pray for them? Why would we not love them enough to do one of these most important spiritual things that we could do is to cover them in prayer? What if God has been waiting He has been waiting for us to come to his throne room where he wants to give grace and help and mercy and the knowledge of Jesus to our children and our grandchildren, but we have not come. We've not knocked upon his door. We have not got passionate about it. We haven't seen prayer as a real option for God to work in the lives of our children. What if as a single person... The Lord is waiting for you to come and to knock upon his door and he wants to dispense spiritual knowledge that comes through prayer as you ask. 
What if there was a work that God wanted to do in our church this year, this month, this week, if we sought the Lord in prayer and said, God, we are desperate for the knowledge of you. If you don't give us the knowledge of you, if your presence is not with us as a group of people, then what are we doing in this place? What if we loved our community enough to pray for our community to say, God, would you give the spiritual knowledge of Jesus Christ in a greater way to Colorado Springs? But the reality of it is, is I don't know if we want that. I don't know if I want that. Because when it comes down to it, it's a lot easier to spend all of our time in front of a screen. To distract ourselves, to numb ourselves, to spiritual sleep, to say, I'm not even aware of this spiritual need. Craigslist is taking all of my time. Social media is taking all of my time. ESPN is taking all of my time. And I'm not trying to get legalistic with you. Man, enjoy those things, right? There's a place for those things in our lives. But many of us would say, I am too busy to pray. I don't have time to pray. That is a lie. Look at the screen time on your phone. How much screen time have we spent? How much time have we spent texting? And we haven't spent any time talking to the Lord. And I don't know if we want our spouses to know Christ in a greater way. I don't know if we want our kids to know the Lord in a greater way. I don't know if we want Colorado Springs to change. I think we might be comfortable I think that might be the reality of it. And we go, man, I I really don't have any intent to change at all. I did not come here this morning expecting God to speak to me. I am not intending to go and change anything. At the end of the day, I'm not going to change anything in my life to make any more room for prayer in my life. Well, guess what? The spiritual condition of our families, our churches, and our communities is not going to change. It will not change at all. There will be more spiritual deadness than we've ever experienced before. But the flip side is true. The flip side is true. God is so gracious. And if we come to him and say, God, I am hungry to experience you. I am hungry for you to do a work in my family, for you to do a work in our church and a work in our community— God is going to be gracious to do that. And I'm challenging because I'm being challenged. It's very easy for me to go through my days and be prayerless. To spend time in the word, to go about my life as a husband and as a dad, and my life as a pastor, as oddly as that is, and to not press into prayer. And I think there's really something here for us. To stop and say, well, what could happen What would God want to do simply as we humbled ourselves and we cried out to him in prayer? As Kent talked about being poor in spirit last Sunday, prayer is the expression of being poor in spirit. Because prayerlessness in my life is an expression of pride. It's an expression of, God, I got this. I got family life. I got work life. This, This is all taken care of. But prayer crying out to the Lord is that dependency upon the Lord. So verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. He prays 
that the believers would be strengthened with all might, according to God's glorious power. What the promise here is, is that God's power is greater than our weakness. God's ability to strengthen is bigger than our circumstance. And as Paul is thinking about the church in Colossae, he's saying, God, would you strengthen them with your glorious power? And we pray that for one another as well, that God would would strengthen us. And that power that he gives to us, that glorious power is dynamite. It's spiritual vitality where we're strengthened by the Lord for the purpose of patience and long-suffering. I want to be strengthened for God to change my circumstances. (laughs) I want to be strengthened for God to take me out of the trial. But many times God wants to strengthen us so we can endure in the trial so that we can have patience and that we can have endurance. The sixth thing that we see in Paul's prayer is thanksgiving in verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in Christ. Have you ever spent time with the Lord in prayer? And as you do and begin to labor in prayer, you find yourself more focused on who God is and then you just start to begin to be thankful. I'm thankful. Thank you for being my father. Thank you for being gracious. Thank you for being my provider. And Paul just goes into this beautiful expression of thanksgiving. He says, God has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance with the saints in in the light. That's a pretty cool thing to be qualified by Jesus Christ. How many times in our lives have we felt disqualified? We, We didn't meet the mark. But because of the grace in Jesus Christ, we're qualified to be a partaker. That sounds pretty good. I'll be a partaker in the inheritance with with the saints. You think about the ascent, the half marathon where people run to the top of Pikes Peak. Terrible idea. Why would you do that, right? (laughs) But in order to sign up for that race, you have to run a qualifying race. And you have to get a particular time on that qualifying race, I think it's two hours and 25 minutes you need to run a half marathon in to be able to sign up for, for the ascent. If you want to run the Boston Marathon, you don't just get to sign up. You have to run a prior marathon and meet a time to be able to qualify. And thankfully, that's not the case with the Lord. As we trust in Christ for salvation, he qualifies us to be partakers in the inheritance. And Paul rejoices in this. He's rejoicing about what God has done in the church of Colossae. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, past tense. As a believer, we've been taken out of darkness into light. The darkness does not have its hold on us any longer. We rejoice in that. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Conveyed is from one place to another. The NIV puts it this way. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Not only are we not in darkness, but we're now in the light. And it's the kingdom of Jesus. And Jesus is the object of the father's love. Throughout scripture, The father wants us to see how much he loves his son because he gave his son for us. It helps us realize how much the father loves us. Church, isn't it a great thing this morning to be in the kingdom of Jesus, to be in the kingdom of light, to look back in your life and say, oh, 
God, thank you so much that you've taken me out of darkness. In this continued spirit of rejoicing, in verse 14, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus, in him, we have redemption. Past tense, something the believers have received. Redemption means to be bought back. God created us, we belong to him, but he bought us back because we sold ourselves into sin. We're redeemed by the Lord. Also, we're forgiven. We rejoice because we're forgiven by the Lord. The blood of Jesus provides redemption and forgiveness, the remission of sins. Things may be difficult in our lives, but if we know Christ, we know that we're forgiven. We're able to rejoice in that place of forgiveness. So I want to make this practical, if possible, and for us to wrestle with a few questions and then have some practical application. The first is, do I believe that prayer changes things? Do I believe that? Do I believe that prayer changes things? The scripture tells us that prayer is effective. And so do I believe that, that prayer changes things? And the second is, do I believe I have a loving heavenly father who's waiting to hear from me? The father, a loving father that's waiting to spend time with me. The last question is, do I believe there is grace to be accessed through prayer? That God is ready to give grace and help and mercy in time of need if I'm willing to come to him in prayer. So here's some practical ideas. Church, start somewhere. Start somewhere. I hope that you're not taking this message of one of condemnation where you're like, man, I knew I was a miserable Christian and I came to church and now I'm, I'm sure of that. I'm, I'm sure I'm a, a, a miserable Christian. No, don't, don't take it in that spirit of being beat up. We're saved by grace. God's not keeping score. Prayer is not this merit system where, oh, you prayed for a half hour. God's really gonna listen to your prayers now. Woo, you made it two hours. Now you're, you're really serious about prayer. But enjoy the invitation, enjoy the relationship. Be drawn to the relationship and start somewhere. Start somewhere, wherever you're at. Say, okay, I want to start to, to pray more. And prayer, for me, does not come naturally. It's easier to study the word and read the word or, or read a book about the word. But man, to press in and spend time in prayer, I get so easily uh, distracted. But let's start somewhere. Here's something that is helpful, at least I've found to be helpful, is pray through a section of scripture. You could take this portion of Colossians and pray these things for those that God puts upon your heart, what we studied today. One of my personal favorites is just to pray through Psalms 23. Just open up your Bible to to Psalms 23 and say, Lord, would you be their good shepherd? Would you lead them to green pastures and still waters? Would you restore their soul? God, just bring them into a a time of restoration. I know they're walking through a valley, but Jesus, I know you're with them, and would you confirm your presence with them as they walk through this valley? Jesus, would you prepare tables before them in the presence of your enemies? And maybe there's different parts of the psalm that stand out to you. Just begin to pray that uh, over them, but pray through a section of scripture. For some reason for me, I also really like Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus. It really resonates with me in Ephesians 3. And to pray those prayers over those that 
God has placed upon my heart. I think this is really important is to find what works for you. Find what works for you in prayer. For some, it's sitting. They, they have a special chair in their house and they're able to, to sit in quietness and be able to pray uh, before the Lord. Do that. For, for others, it's getting on their knees. Do, do that. For me, it's walking. Walking and talking with the Lord. When I tend to sit, uh, I tend to get distracted. And before you know it, my mind is thinking about the things that I need to get done or the food that I want to eat. It's like, <laughs> tends to go in one or two of those directions. But if I walk and I and just talk with the Lord and then take some time to, to listen uh, to him. You know, for some of you, I've heard people say that their car becomes their sanctuary with the Lord. That's amazing to me because my prayer life in my car is not that great. It's like, Lord, please help me not commit homicide right here. Uh, But for some of you, you've got a long commute and you're able to just really enter into God's presence, put some worship on and and talk with with the Lord. Maybe there's a particular stoplight that you go, man, I spend three to five minutes of my day right here at this stoplight every day and make that as a time to be able to, to pray with the Lord. For some of you, it might be journaling. For some of you, it might be writing down uh, your prayers. But, but explore this and go, you know, what works for me in my relationship uh, with the Lord? Pray together with other believers. And this can be challenging for us. It feels weird to pray out loud. But again, in this spirit of starting somewhere is pray with other, other believers. If you're, you're single, you've got some friends that know the Lord, say, hey, let, let's pray uh, together. Husbands and wives, pray together. Say, hey, let, let's continue this or get back to this or start this and pray together as, as families. Pray together as believers. I want to invite you to our next night of prayer and worship. It's on Wednesday night, September 25th, and about two weeks 6.30, right here in the sanctuary, we're going to seek the Lord in worship and seek the Lord in prayer. And let's take this as an opportunity to maybe even fast and pray and say, we're going to labor in prayer for one another, for the body of Christ here, RMC, the church in Colorado Springs, our, our community, and see what the Lord would do. But guys, coming back to my first point is I really believe that we're living in some very interesting times spiritually. Our country is at a crossroads. And God desires to do a work. And that work is going to take place as we humble ourselves and we come to, to him in prayer. And in some ways, this has surprised me because prayer is really not my thing. I value it, but I wouldn't say that I'm good at it, right? But I want to grow in this area of prayer. And even more than anything else in this area of prayer, it's the relational side of it. It's realizing that prayer is not about trying to get things done. Similar to the song that we sang this morning. We're not just presenting our agenda to the Lord, but but really being able to come and spend time with the Lord in his presence. So let's take this journey together. Let's let's grow in prayer and grow in that relationship uh, with the Lord. 
And maybe some of you are at a place of saying, you know, I just feel really frustrated in prayer or disengaged in prayer. I've asked the Lord of these things and I don't feel like that he heard. I don't feel like that he answered. And my belief in prayer is at at an all-time low. Well, guess what? The Lord knows that too. The Lord knows that too. And for us to be able to come to the Lord and say, Father, really, I'm really disappointed in prayer. And I feel like you haven't answered and I, I feel abandoned. And to take that to the Lord in prayer and allow God to meet us in that area of prayer. So let's stand and let's pray together. And we're going to do something really weird right now, okay? I'm going to ask for us to hold hands together. You're like, dang it, I did not want to do that. Let's all stand together. Find somebody on your right or your left. We're going to grab hands together, representing that we're the body of Christ, and we're going to, to pray uh, together. So let's, let's pray. Father, we come with our hands joined together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need one another, and Father, we need you. And we ask, God, that you would just do something inside of us that we can't do inside of ourselves, and that you would produce in us a greater dependency upon you and a greater desire to pray and to cry out to you. And we do ask as a church family that by your grace and your mercy that you would give us greater spiritual understanding, greater epinosis, greater knowledge of you. Lord, even this calendar year, we come in faith that you are going to take us deeper in our relationship with you. We pray that over our families. Lord, we ask that for our community, for Colorado Springs. Lord, it's such a wonderful place to live, but there's such a great spiritual need. And Lord, would you open up people's eyes and ears to you, Jesus. So Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.